and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles, California. I'm your host, Michael Benner. And as you probably know, this is a 90-minute, sometimes a little bit longer, premium training for those who have subscribed or enrolled, registered at our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com. Although we provide the first 20 minutes absolutely free of charge via podcast and also streaming via Stitcher and a number of other podcast directories. So you can either listen to the stream on your mobile device or actually download via the podcatcher of your choice. Absolutely free the first 20 minutes or so. Then if you like the program and you'd like to subscribe for either one week or a 13-week quarter at a nice discount, or perhaps, for the deepest discount, an entire year, go to our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E comes after the W, so theagelesswisdom.com. Click on Podcasts and Premium Training, and then on Premium Training, and you can enroll with your bank card, credit, debit, ATM card in a matter of seconds, like less than a minute. And then you'll get a notice in your email within about 36 hours with a link to that week's program. Our topic for this week is the voices in my head. This is not, as you might suspect, a program about schizophrenia or a psychotic break with reality. This is a reference to our normal thought process. And all of us think and reason, attempt to absorb knowledge and a step further to incorporate that knowledge or understand that knowledge with a level of awareness that includes voices in our heads, an auditory approach to thinking, as well as, for many of us, a visual approach. We have pictures, either still or moving pictures, in our mind's eye as well. Few people ever examine closely the process just because it's second nature to us. We're so close to it, it's a little difficult to take the step back necessary to examine it more carefully. And yet that's what we're going to do today with a deliberately provocative concept, voices in my head. I suppose we could call it pictures in my mind. The very word imagination is rooted in image, as in imagery, and suggests that many people think visually, either still or moving pictures. But we also have that auditory track, especially when we read out loud. There are many people who will post on the internet and various websites, who or what is that voice in my head when I read? But it's not only a voice in your head when you read. Any thinking or cognition process is usually some part voice in your head and some part picture. Again, series of stills or moving pictures in your mind. To what extent you're aware of that? How do you process it? Well, these are just some of the questions we're going to address today in proposing right here at the top that you are more than either of those. 
You are more than the voices in your head. You are more than the pictures that go with the perception of the world around you with reading or study or attempting to understand the voice that answers and provides the narrative throughout your day that precedes words that you speak out loud in conversation with other people. That inner voice, that internal dialogue, we're going to talk about in an auditory sense, voices in my head, and you're more than that. That's my position, and I'm sticking to it. You are more than (laughs) either the voice or the picture going on in your head. You are the relative level of awareness of the process. So the mere fact that you're listening to me make this proposal means that we've already begun to enhance that level of awareness. You're already more aware of the process than you have been. And we're going to see if we can enhance or increase that level of awareness, as in expanded awareness or higher consciousness, giving you a level of self, an identity that transcends the thought process and the feeling process in your body. Just as you can be aware of and responsible for an external situation that you may walk into and suddenly find yourself in the midst of. You can also be aware of the body that you carry as an instrument or vehicle, and you can be aware of your thoughts and feelings just as you could be unaware of a situation, unaware of how you feel in your body or how you use your body in a certain situation. And awareness in terms of thoughts and feelings is also a relative concept. How awake, how aware are you from moment to moment? It's very easy to live our lives habitually, to get caught up in behaving by rote in situations that are so mundane and so routine that we do them automatically. Many people become hypnotized or enter a kind of a trance somewhere in their lifetime or at various periods in their lifetime where they become very unhappy and very stressed and very withdrawn and very unaware, frankly, which compounds the stress and the anxiety in our lives. We feel numb and yet that numbness and the apathy that often comes with it has a kind of an ache or a pain that accompanies it. It's a little odd to consider that refusing to feel and becoming numb like a robot through your rote habitual behaviors carries an ache or a pain that goes with it. How could being numb hurt? But in fact, That's the case. And today we're going to talk about that lack of awareness or that, relatively speaking, lower level of awareness in which most people live day to day as a problem that we can solve by, number one, creating a break, a conscious break with the voices and the pictures in our heads and taking a step back. It's easy to see how we get sucked into a 
routine or a mundane life. Our imagination is so powerful it happens even in movie theaters. It's dark in there, not only so that you can see the image reflected on the movie screen, but so that there's little stimulus to distract your attention from what's being displayed on the screen. And very quickly, depending on the nature of the movie and how well it's done, we get absorbed into the colored light dancing on the wall as if it's real. We have a conscious mind off to the side that could at any point remind you that this is not real, that it's just colored light dancing on the screen and you paid $12 to get in there and another $15 for your little box of popcorn. But because we've invested in the experience, we put that conscious mind into abeyance and allow the subconscious mind or the imagination to really take center stage and to get absorbed into this film as if it's real, mentally and emotionally as if it's real. And then we go out into the world after the movie and we're often changed by it dramatically affected by shadows dancing on the wall as if it were real. It doesn't take a whole lot of exposure to psychology to begin to question how much of what we call reality is exactly the same process. Colored light dancing off objects like people's faces and their bodies and buildings and automobiles and to confuse the perception of light. And in the same way, the sound that's reverberating around you with reality is a very simple thing to do. Indeed, most of us do it throughout our lives, and then we grow old and die, and it never really occurs to us that, more precisely, we are the awareness, relatively speaking, high level or very low level, or somewhere in between, a relative level of awareness of inventing our perception of reality. We put it together in our heads. And when you realize, if you're willing to develop your awareness and realize that your sense of reality, whether in a movie theater or out on the street, is pretty much assembled by your imagination. And that life really is not something done to you so much as something that you assemble inside your brain. Then it's up to you to determine, am I going to be conscious and aware and alert and present as I do that? Or am I going to, as most people do, allow myself to fall into a kind of a trance or a dazed situation, relatively unconscious and therefore unaware of the fact that I'm making my life up. Life is what you make it, literally. We're making it up. It's not being done to us. I have an exercise that I do when I train people at the corporate level. I've also been training the Orange County Sheriff's Department at their academy in Anaheim in emotional intelligence. We call it fearless 
intelligence to develop their self-awareness, their impulse control, their empathy, and ability to manage relationships as well. And this is an exercise that we do there also. I write on the board when nobody's in the room a sentence and then bring a movie screen down from the ceiling to cover it up. And later, when class has begun and we show this introductory video, I say to the class, now I'm going to raise the screen in a minute and you're going to see a sentence written on the board behind the screen. And when I raise that screen, I want you to read this sentence to yourself silently two or three times. Okay, you ready? That's all you got to do. Read this sentence silently to yourself two or three times. And I push the button and the screen goes up and reveals, written on the board, I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. And then they read that a couple of times. I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. And then I say to the group, now, which are you? The voice in your head reading the sentence or your awareness of it? 99% of the time people say, the voice in my head. I am the voice in my head, of course, and completely discount the possibility, the likelihood, or if you think of it long enough, the obvious nature that you must be the awareness of yourself hearing the voice in your head reading the sentence. But we've spent our entire lives identifying with the voice in my head and the pictures that accompany it. As I said, it's as if life for most of us, especially in the last couple of generations, is like television or film. And we walk around experiencing life as these voices and pictures. Our ancestors thousands of years ago, even a few hundred years ago, were much more likely to be aware of themselves as awareness of thought and feeling than we are today. This is compounded by the technology and the science that makes the world so absolutely fascinating. We're increasingly sucked into it, drawn out into the world, unaware, again, of awareness itself. We become unconscious of the fact that there is a consciousness behind the perception of sense and sensation. It's really not that complicated if you compare it to computers. In computers, we've come to understand that there is on the first level, like short-term memory, something called RAM, random access memory. And we have special little chips that we install into the computer. It used to be 64K back in the day. Remember the Commodore 64? <laughs> Who goes back to those days? And then it got to be megabytes, and now it's one or two gigabytes. People have three, four gigabytes of RAM. Like a short-term memory that's installed in your computer to hold the programs and the data that you're working with until such time as you hit the save button. Now, when you run a save command, 
That short-term RAM memory goes to the internal hard drive. That's like long-term memory. That's our consciousness or our awareness of the memory that's stored in the subconscious mind. RAM is like the conscious mind. The hard drive is like the subconscious mind. Well, awareness is like the cloud, if you will, or carbonite. It's almost like the oversoul standing above your computer at a remote location, and it has access to everything that's been uploaded to it. Imagine that everything that goes on in RAM and everything that's been saved to your hard drive was automatically reflected into that cloud, uh, the carbonite backup and immediately available there for either the RAM or the hard drive to be pulled back down into the computer. So you have these, in computers now, these three levels of memory, RAM, the internal or external hard drive, and then the cloud at some remote location. Well, can you think of that as, in the same way, RAM being like your immediate thoughts and feelings and the hard drive, internal or external, being like your long-term memory, the subconscious mind, what happens when immediate experience is understood and incorporated into our knowledge base and our personality and our database of knowledge that we draw upon in our daily life and affairs. Well, then awareness would have to be this elevated perspective as if from the cloud or your carbonite backup system, you know, at remote location that can look down upon that. And it's very important to develop for the full benefits that it brings to you, the richness and the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the contentment, the gosh, just the happiness and joy that can be and could be available to us as human beings if we were more fully aware. All of our lives, we've heard about expanded awareness or higher consciousness, and this is what we're talking about. Becoming aware that you are not the voice or the pictures in your head, you are the awareness itself. Becoming conscious that you are the consciousness, aware that you are the awareness suppose you could use the two terms, aware of your consciousness or conscious of your awareness. They're sort of the same thing. Although in esoteric philosophy, they have a slight difference. Awareness is often capitalized in Eastern philosophy as a synonym for the absolute, for, for God, for the totality of all that is. That would be Awareness and then consciousness would be your piece of that divinity, all right, your particular perspective or point of view. Although sometimes in Western mysticism and philosophy, you'll see those terms reversed where consciousness is capitalized to represent divinity and awareness is your sliver of it. So I want you to be conscious and aware of the fact that we're still working with these terms and they mean different things to different people. But it's 
really a good idea to develop your understanding in both regards, in all respects, so that we can take this one step back and begin to develop our awareness of ourselves as beings that have an internal trinity. Our mental, emotional, and physical nature is a part of the oneness that includes awareness. And just as we've understood in all of the mystery schools from time out of mind that the one life or the absolute totality of divinity is triune in nature, the king, prince, and queen, or father, son, and holy spirit, the beloved love and the lover, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, Kathirkachman, Banach in the uh, Jewish mysticism of Kabbalah. It's found, this triune nature, the Trinity, in all religions and all philosophies. Going back to the three-legged African stool and the phenomena of Pythagoras, that it didn't matter if a stool had three legs, how long the legs were. There was something inherently stable about the stool. The ancient Chinese in Taoism have a similar construct where they say, out of the Tao comes the one, and out of the one comes the two, out of the two comes the three, and out of the three come all things. So the Tao would be the awareness that stands above the Trinity. In Christianity, in Judeo-Christian traditions, you have the idea of a Godhead that stands above the Father, Son, and Mother, Matter, Holy Spirit meaning the Matter or Mother, the Madre aspect. The feminine, of course, has been taken out by the church for obvious reasons. Um, the discrimination of women is also pretty uniform. Misogyny is pretty uniform in the ultra-Orthodox and conservative elements of virtually all religion, East, Middle East, and West. So we're not surprised to see father, son, and then instead of mother, something substituted like Holy Spirit as if the Father and the Son were not Holy Spirit. But the three is what's important. And the lower correspondence in man is the mental, emotional, and physical nature. And you are not one of those. You are all of those. And that means there has to be a unity at some level, a unified, overshadowing correspondence that embraces all three. And... This is the awareness that we're describing here today. Consciousness or awareness is that which stands above, in the simplest sense, the voices and pictures in our heads, our thoughts, our feelings, our speech, our behavior, and certainly our awareness of the world around us. Well, that's about all that we have time for in the podcast version now. If you're enrolled, stay with us, and we'll continue with the rest of the premium training 
including a program from the archives at our sister site, FocusedPassion.com, a program on higher consciousness recorded just a couple of years ago in Maui, Hawaii, by my business partner of 35 years, Steve Snyder, and myself, where we go even deeper into this idea of higher consciousness. So, if you subscribe or enroll in the next week, that's the program you'll get. Simply go to our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com, the W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars and premium training. There's a single button right on the front. And then as you go inside, click on premium training again to enroll with your bank card for a single program, a 13-week quarter, or for the deepest discount, a full year. And then watch your email. Okay. So stay with us if you're already enrolled. And if you're a podcast listener, be sure and use Stitcher. Leave a comment. And this is a new service we've just begun to use and really like a lot. Leaving a comment will help others find us. And if you're listening through the iTunes store, next time you're in there, we'd also appreciate a comment. Something honest and sincere. I'd really appreciate that. Helps new people find this kind of program. Okay. Thanks a lot. Be gentle. Love life. Take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from Los Angeles.